lifting up all those names of God, how God is active in our lives, God who, God who restores us, God who is with us in so many ways, our refuge, all those images that the music brought up for us today. I hope you heard them as they sang them through light, that light of God, even in the darkest times. God is all these things to us, these wonderful images in our music this morning. And I have to laugh because I got images, too, from the other piece of music that we had this morning, too, El Shaddai. How many people here remember Amy Grant? How many people remember when that was? <laughs> you know, early 80s. You know, I had several of her albums and went to her concerts, and, and I, I knew El Shaddai backwards and forwards singing it. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, with our youth group, we would... We would sing some of that as a, I was a youth counselor at the church I was at at that time. And I, at, later I learned, I didn't know then when we were all singing like this at the campfire and all that sort of stuff, that the word El Shaddai is from the scripture and it is one of those names for God. And it's translated a couple ways. One is all-sufficient breasted one. And another is many-breasted one. Imagine that. Here we go on. Many-breasted one, many-breasted one has a whole different feel to it, doesn't it? Is it a good feel? It should be. It should be. It should be. Because this is one of those many images that gets covered up in our scripture because of the way we've looked at it through Greek and Western culture. And we forget this wonderful image, many-breasted one, El Shaddai. So next time you sing it, I want you to think about that while you're rocking back and forth. But I digress. We're talking about lepers this morning, aren't we? And so as we go into the scripture passage this morning, I want us to, to look at some of the dynamics of what was going on and then talk about how it might apply to us today. Uh, fascinating passage here. Jesus is walking in one of those neighborhoods he's not supposed to be in. You know, he's between Jerusalem and Galilee. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And instead of going around the right way, he's taking a shortcut right through the neighborhood he's not supposed to be in. That neighborhood's called Samaria, okay? And you're not supposed to be with those people if you're a good Jew. And so Jesus is walking where he's not supposed to be, and when he's walking where he's not supposed to be, there's this group of people that are lepers, 10 of them, the story tells us. And the 10 of them do what they're supposed to do. They're following the law. You know, a group of lepers is supposed to let people know they're there so they don't come too close. And so they see someone walking over there, lepers go, we're lepers, stay away. My, how'd you like that curse in your life? How'd you like to be like that? Someone's walking up the street, oh, we're lepers. Don't come too close. You know, sometimes we may have treated people like that, but we may not have been able to call out in that same way. But that was the law. They had to say they were there so people could avoid them. So he's in the neighborhood where he's not supposed to be, with the people he's not supposed to be around, but they're following the, the law that they're supposed to do. They're warning Jesus, and Jesus says to them, and they actually say, you know, we're here. Can you help us? We're here. You know, stay away, but we need help. And so Jesus says, go to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. And that was the way to re-enter society. Go and show yourself to the priest. And so as they turn to go and show themselves to the priest, they find themselves well. They find themselves healed. They find the leprosy gone as they head towards the priest. This miracle of healing occurs from a distance. Jesus heals them as they turn and head back towards the priest. 
Now, as the story continues, something important happens. Nine of them keep going, just like Jesus told them to. I'm going to show you a picture of one of our um, uh, artists who saw the uh, story of the lepers. Of the, see, the, see the nine over there having a party? No, and then there's the one that's back at the leader. The nine are having a party because they're celebrating that they've been healed. And there's the one that's back there offering thanks. And I want to show you one more picture of another artist of this story. And it shows that they're, they're running to the priest. You know, we're healed. Let's go to the priest. And let's get back into the world that we lost because of this illness that we've had. Let's get back to life as it was. Jesus told them, move on. Go to the priest and show yourself. And so they're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They're doing what he commanded them to do. Go back to the priest. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times when people have wanted to be around me until they got their healing, and then they wanted to be somewhere else. You know, going back to the priest meant they had their families back, they had their privilege back, they had their status back. They could enter life wherever they left it. But I know some of you know people who, who stay with us for a while until they can go back to some other world. You know, so that's going back to the priest helps them get back into society where they were in that place. So... What happens? The one, you know, turns around as he has that or she has that sense of healing, turns back to Jesus in thankfulness. And here is the crux of this encounter here, this thankfulness. You know, and I don't know about you, but we can identify with this Samaritan. You know, he's in his own town, his own country. Jesus is the one not in the right place. The Samaritans in Samaria. And there is Jesus calling him a foreigner. I don't know about you, but Jesus was the foreigner. He was in the wrong neighborhood. The Samaritans right where the Samaritans are supposed to be. Have you ever felt like you were a foreigner in your own neighborhood? In your own family, in your own home? Has anyone told you you were? So here's this Samaritan, you know, being called a foreigner right in his own neighborhood, turns around towards Jesus in thankfulness. And we have to remember that the gospel writer Luke, when he's writing these stories about Samaritans, it's for a purpose. He is telling, all, this gospel is written to those who weren't Jews. This gospel is written to go beyond what was known as the Jewish people at that time. And so when he writes a story about a Samaritan, he's talking about the people he's writing to. Nine of them went on like Jesus directed them to, but one of them, like us, was smart enough to turn around. And that one like us went and offered thanks to Jesus. And so when Luke is writing this story, it's very important to recognize what the Samaritans are doing. And he's saying, yeah, nine did what Jesus said. They went to the priest. But we, we turned around to thank Jesus right then and right there. And from you, in my mind, how this plays out, too, as one of those who can identify with Samaritan, that priest doesn't have anything to offer me priest doesn't have anything to offer me. That priest might not even see me because I am a biracial Samaritan from the wrong neighborhood that they don't let come over there. You know, so Jesus tell me to go see that priest. I don't do anything for me. You know, I need to be here and turn around to Christ. Those nine, I don't know if you've been in that place in your life when you've needed someone else to tell you you were healed. Well, sometimes healing happens right away. 
Sometimes it takes time to recognize you've been healed. Have you ever behaved like you weren't healed when you were? It took a while to live into a new identity. You know, so those nine may have took a while for them to know that they were healed. So they could finally claim it, know it, and keep moving forward in life. Nothing says they weren't thankful for Jesus. It just says they didn't turn around right then. So the Samaritan, the foreigner, Jesus calls this person, turns around. Man, we can build a church with people like that. We can build a movement with people like that who recognize their own healing and are thankful for it. Their hearts are open enough to turn around in gratitude and say, yes, yes, I am healed. And to see the source of that healing offering thanks. So as we go through this story and we hear these different peoples and characters with Jesus not being where he's supposed to be, inviting this person into the family through healing, know that this is us too invited into the family wherever we are in our healing process we are invited into this family now today to be a part and for some of us that's a part of opening our hearts in new ways opening our minds in new ways i know some of you are freaked out about the definition of el shaddai it's okay <laughs> stay stay with us you know it doesn't say that in my bible well it's just because you're reading the english version of it you know but it's okay to stay and be broken open in new ways. And we've been trying to do that with a little experiment. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you to find 10 singles, put those 10 singles in your wallet, and hand them out when people asked you for help. When, people, when you saw people in need, I asked you to hand them out in a certain way. I asked you when people asked for help, then to see them, not walk by quickly, but to actually see them as you offered them a dollar. Now, some of you told me right after worship that morning, a dollar's not enough. There's inflation, Troy. You should have said give $2 or $5, you know, right away. I said, well, you go right ahead. <laughs> go right ahead. Feel free. Uh, part of it is allowing ourselves to shift from a perspective of being bombarded by needs to a perspective of being generous and being able to share, be prepared and ready to be a part of what God calls us to, to be connected to others. And to not have to always feel threatened by someone just asking for what they need. And so some of you have been doing this exercise, and I've been hearing stories. One of you told me a story so long, I asked you to write it down in an email so I could remember the details of it. Another of you told me a story about eating out, and the, the change you got back from your bill was $10 too much. And you, thought, you saw $10, and you thought about church. That's fine with me. You know, $10 and thought about church. And you went back the next morning to give that $10 back because you didn't want that waiter or waitress to get fired or get in trouble because their till was short that day. So his heart was open in a way to return that money so that it could be helpful to someone who needed it. Now, part of what I did in the story the first time I said this, some of you didn't hear this part, I said, when someone asks you... Um, be ready to offer them help. And some of you have been going about this in a way that it's sort of like just a new thing on your checklist. It's an obligation. So it's like I've got to hand out 10 of these right now. Check, 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 check. <laughs> to people that didn't even ask you for help. <laughs> you know? There's somebody, let me check it off my list. So I'm telling you what, that's not open in your heart. That's completing an assignment. And I hope that in that place you were still able to see the person that you were trying to help. 
But it's not about the checklist. It's about being open to seeing, connecting, and responding to someone in need, opening our heart. Um, one of you is a teacher, and she said to me, while well, I was in class, and one of the kids came up to me and said they didn't have what they needed for this, and they needed some change, and she said, you don't have change, so I said, oh, no, I don't have any change, and then she said, all of a sudden, in the middle of the said, I haven't been able to give away any ten of these dollars. I was able to pull out a dollar the person had asked, and able to give it to the student who had the need, and was very pleased she could do that. On the way to church yesterday, because there was a lot happening yesterday here at, at Resurrection, I stopped to get gas. And at the gas station, there was a fellow there that was digging through the trash receptacles. He had one of those long things, looked like a coat hanger, it had been straightened out with a hook at the bottom of it. And he went from one container, pulling through, digging up stuff, and went to the next container, pulling through, digging up stuff. And so we struck up a conversation, and um, he was, we were talking about, it looks like it's going to rain today. Yeah, it may not be too hot today, you know, how he was doing, how I was doing. I had my dollars here. I kept waiting for him to ask. Go ahead, ask. You know, I haven't been able to get rid of my $10 yet either. But I'm trying not to do it like it's a checklist. And what became clear to me in the moment of watching him was he was doing his work. And I needed to respect that for him that was his work. And for me to offer him a dollar when he hadn't asked for it, when we were having a good conversation and I was seeing him as a person, could have been insulting to him because he was doing what he needed to do to make it in this world. And we need to respect that. From so I did say, wait until you're asked. Okay, wait until you're asked. And then provide that. And I encourage you to keep doing that. Also on Saturday, someone said, I still have all $10. And they said, and I keep looking. I want you to keep looking. There'll be those moments in time when someone needs that from you. Someone needs that from you. I made up a lie one time. We'll call it a fabrication. <laughs> a little fabrication. I had a coworker who had just divorced, single mom with two kids, and her apartment had got broken into, this new apartment they just moved into. They knocked down the door off the hinges and took all the electronic equipment out of the space. So here she is, her two weeks in her new place. This has happened to her. And she had gotten some estimate of what the cost was going to be to repair it. And so um, I listened real carefully, and I knew that she wouldn't accept a gift from me even though I was ready to offer a gift to her. So I created a fabrication, which wasn't completely a lie. When we were young, my sisters and I received help from lots of folks who came and helped, and that's true. And I told her about that. And then I told her about one time we received an exceptional amount of help, one season that was difficult for my mom and my sister and I, and how, how much the person had given us. And that's where the fabrication came in. I had added what she needed. I said I'd added $17.23 over what she had said the estimate of the costs were. I knew if I was specific enough, then the story might sound true and that she might accept the gifts because I said, so every year I look for someone that I can write a check for that amount to so that they can receive it out of being thankful for what people did for me and my family uh, when we were young. And so I was able to give her that gift uh, with that creative fabrication. And she was able to accept it and not feel um, like she owed me anything. Because she was allowing me to be grateful for what people had done for me in my life. She was doing something for me by receiving the gift. So oftentimes, gift giving, helping others has that two-way street 
What are we giving and what are we receiving? And are we ready to receive? And that's when we're truly open to God being able to move in and through us. That's when we're open. One of our people yesterday in a meeting said, you know, these people have been trying to give them money and they want to get to know me. I just want to give them a dollar and make them go away. They weren't talking about people that they were meeting out there. They were talking about people at church. You know, sometimes the gift we give is not the dollar, but it's ourselves. It's our listening. It's other ways that we give. There's lots of ways to be generous for us. We might want to try an easy way, but God may be calling us into a different way to open our hearts and be a part of these persons. So how are you grateful in your life? How are you grateful in the world? Like this leper was that turned around to Jesus who had been healed. Do you know that you're grateful? Do you give thanks to God? Do you give thanks to people? Uh, it's an important lesson for us in our spiritual growth to remember to be thankful. Now, in our um, a Prosperous Heart class this last Monday, uh, Reverend Kristen was leading the group and she had a task for people to do as they went home. How do we have this abundant, this open heart that's welcoming God into it and sharing it with the world? And she said, so when you go home this week, I want you to every day write 10 things that you're grateful for. Unduplicated things. So that means in a week of seven days, you had to have how many things? You had to have 70 unduplicated things that you were grateful for. Quite a list of this. And I know my typical bluebell Dutch chocolate ice cream and white tube socks gets me two <laughs> of 70, but I can't repeat them. So I need to continue to be grateful for the sunshine, for friends, for food, for everything, even as simple as this little dog, Tip, that we have in our family. Who Y'all heard some of the story this week. There's Tip. Cute, right? Well, loves to be chased and loves to chase. So I was obliging this little critter running through the house. And our house has floors that are tile, but as slick as this. And as I was running around the house, uh, he's fast. He takes shortcuts. You know, just fast. You're never going to win with him. And so, I, accidentally, I slipped. I was wearing house slippers. Not a good idea. I slipped, and I fell right on the kitchen countertop, right on the corner, right here, and, and knocked myself out on the ground. It took a while to catch my breath and got up, and I still have a bruise. It's still swollen. But I'm thankful that Walter didn't listen to me and say, we don't need another dog. I'm thankful that he just didn't listen and went ahead and got that dog anyway. And here I am letting it chase me around the house so much that I'm hurting myself. <laughs> you know, being thankful for what's right there before us doesn't have to be a huge piece, but to be able to receive what God's offering right in our life in that. Now this little one this week now looks like this because he had to go get neutered this week. It was time. And so it was time, got old enough. And so he has a cone around his head and he has little booties on. <laughs> You know, now I can beat him. <laughs> now, I, now I can beat him. Now I can beat him. But I am grateful for all the care he has and all the gratefulness that people have shown in my life for where I find joy. And I need to remember to appreciate that, to love that, the small things, the big things, the in-between things, that those are important to me. They've done scientific studies on what helps you feel joy, what helps you be happy. And one of the most important things it is, is knowing to be thankful. I've posted a video to my timeline, and Mark has posted it to the church timeline. I hope you go home and watch it off the church timeline. It's called The Science of Happiness. 
They did this wonderful experiment where they brought people in at random and they asked them to write about someone that, that cared about them, that was, they were grateful for, and why that was. So they wrote these couple of paragraphs about it. And then the scientists, they test them, tested them, this objective thing about how happy they were, did the assignment. Then they said, you know what? We want you to call that person. So they gave them a phone and had them call that person and tell the story, had them read what they wrote. And then they tested them afterwards to see how their happiness scale was. And what they found was the ones that were the most happy had the most improved, most unhappy had the most improvement. Up to 20%, I don't know what that is, more happiness. Watch this story by sharing and by calling. The ones who wrote it down had about 5%, but the ones who called and the ones who expressed gratitude, 20% more happiness. So this is something about our soul and our spirit that Jesus is after, and we're hearing this story today, how to be thankful, how to be grateful. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I cannot write a check big enough for everything God's done in my life. And I know God's not asking me to replace it penny by penny. I can't just write a check big enough, but I know I can be challenged to open my heart, okay, to express forgiveness like last week, to express thankfulness like this week, to do those pieces of what it means to be a disciple that God's calling me into be. I can do that over and over and over again. And what that leads me into is abundant life. That I write the checks I can write, and that I am open to all the other things that God has to offer me. Lastly, I want to say one more thing about that leper and about that story. In the very end of it, it says, your faith has made you well. Remember last week we talked about faith also meaning trust. Your trust in what has happened to you. And there's another word at the end, the word well. It's not like it was earlier in the story. This word is whole. Your trust has made you whole. So there was the first stage. You're healed, go present yourself to the priest. And there's a second stage. Let's turn to Jesus and give thanks and be made whole. Amen.